So here we are again. I'm so excited to be here with you and to share mm, the pearls of wisdom with my guest today. I've been really trying to embrace every moment that I have with you and my guests. They're so precious and I'm so grateful. We're coming up in just a few weeks. I've been talking about my 100th episode and I just feel so blessed and I'm having a blast that I get so much out of sharing their story with you. I know every single guest has inspired me. So here's something I would love for you to do. I would love for you to subscribe. I would love for you to rate it, to share it, to send me your questions of what you want to hear and who you want to have on. Today's guest, oh my goodness. I mean, this woman, I almost forgot I was on a podcast because she was just going through her journey and giving so many tidbits. When she said this, and it's actually on her website too, I believe all people are deserving of the life they actually want. I believe that when you live your authentic me, instead of through the shoulds, the ought tos, your life and your relationships will exponentially grow and prosper. Now, you know, a lot of people can say stuff like this, but this woman, she's the real deal. So have fun, sit back, enjoy. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Florence Belsky Charitable Foundation, which was founded in 2003 by Florence Belsky, a pioneer, attorney, mentor to many, and positive aging activist. The foundation's main programs are First Mondays, Women Who Lunch, and Pick Three, a virtual mentoring program which connects advisors. The foundation has over a thousand global advisors of all ages and has hubs in all major U.S. cities as well as international cities all over the world. The foundation has been developing virtual resources to help people during the current pandemic on its website, www.flowbellangels.org. The latest program is a virtual woman's network called Women Who Lunch 2.0. For more info on that, see www.flowbell.org. Well, hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I am so excited about today's guest. I mean, I love all my guests, but I was cracking up when I was reading her mission and what she wants to do and all about her. I was thinking, oh my goodness, we are going to have so much to say and so much fun. So let's get to it. Let me tell you all about her. Now, it was funny because I think I pronounced her name right, and I hope I get it again. So here's this new awesome guest, Comedy Wood. Comedy is the founder, get this, and CEO of Live Joy Your Way. Woohoo! You know we love that. I can't believe it. Live Joy Your Way. I don't know why I didn't think of that. And the Authentic Me Rise Up program. An international best-selling author, 
She is driven to support people of all ages, heal the relationship with themselves, and to stop outsourcing their self-worth. Hmm, this is a big one. Her clients become their own confident, resilient self-leader with healthier relationships. Kamini is a certified life coach, board certified by the American Association of Drugless, ooh, never heard of that, practitioners, holds specialty certifications in conscious uncoupling, new money story, and teen life coaching. Welcome, Kamini. How are you? Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here with you. I am doing wonderful. I hope you are as well. I am. And where are we calling you from? Where are you? I'm in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Because I was reading all about you, and I think I saw that you grew up in Connecticut. I sure did. I did. Yes, I was actually, um, and I still call myself a Yankee, even though I'm in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a displaced Yankee. (laughs) All right. Well, before I get to know you a little bit more, because this is the first conversation we're having, which I love, so we're going to have so much to get to know, but tell me, what is the biggest thing in your life that you do to create joy for you? Uh, each and every day that I wake up and be a mom wow, <laughs> creates see? the biggest joy. <laughs> I, I definitely kudos because I amen, sister. That's for sure. And I'm not sure if I'm reading this right, but how many kids do you have? I have five. Okay. So when I was reading about you and you're saying I'm a mom times five, I didn't know if you met, you know, I just give it five times as much. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I'm a mom to five humans and two dogs. So uh, it really is uh, mom times five for, for human beings, that is. <laughs> so I'm going to say that it's a good thing they bring you joy <laughs> because you have a lot of them. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're, you know, being a mom is a challenge, but it also is the biggest joy and the biggest it's. It has been my greatest teacher mm. in in anything that I've ever attempted to do. You know, you can go get accreditations and accolades here and there, but raising children and seeing them mirror back things to me has honestly been uh, joyous and also humbling yes, <laughs> all at the yes. same time. <laughs> I always say, he, um, I've had two kids, but my son's still at home, and I always say to him, you make me want to be a better person every day. You know, every day I look at him and I'm not saying I don't enjoy who I am, but I, you know, I watch and I go, Ooh, ah, I think I saw that in me too. Eesh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 100%. You know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and you actually made a really good point there. It's not that you're not okay with yourself. It's that we recognize that we can continually grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or he'll say things to me. and I'm like, Ah, mom, didn't you say that wasn't a good idea to criticize or put yourself down? And yeah, I saw you, you know, just beating yourself up because you didn't. I'm like, he's right. Absolutely Mm -hmm. right. You know, Mm -hmm. so isn't it fun? I mean, okay, five. (laughs) Tell me the ages. I have to know. My oldest is actually about to turn 19 at the end of August. And then I have and she's a girl. And then I have a 16-year-old boy, 14-year-old girl, 11-year-old boy, and 7-year-old girl. Okay. 
Okie dokie. So you really <laughs> are in the thick of it for sure. <laughs> it, yeah, I've got the gamut going on. I've got teen issues. I've got, you know, younger person issues. <laughs> so is I've got that, an older dog and yeah. a puppy, you know, is I'm the, all is over the, the place. Still, is the 19-year-old still at home? She is about to actually move across the country to Oregon. She has signed a contract to be a professional ballerina out there. So she is going to be leaving in less than a month. What? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I was a dance major, but I was horrible at that lay. They would, they practically just, you know, every time close their eyes, you know, because it was partly like, the criteria you had to take it. And right. I was just, I just admire, I would look at those. My instructor would always yell at me because I would just stop and go, oh my God, they're so good. Look how graceful these people are. They're so awesome. So were you involved in dance at all? I was not. I was not. I was, you know, Miss Academic and get those straight A's and straight linear, linear path. And she has been the nonlinear path. And like I said, it's it's taught me so many things because it was another reminder that it's okay to do things your way. It's okay to follow your heart and you don't have to live to those external expectations. The ones that say, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, degree, go get a job, start working, have family. You know, it's it's okay. It's okay yeah. to do it in a different way. So, Well, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I was on a workshop for public speaking yesterday. It was a brilliant workshop. And the guy was telling this story about an old man, a young boy, and a donkey. Did you ever hear that story? I don't even know who wrote it, but... It goes through and it says, you know, first they were walking along and the little boy uh, was getting tired. And so people were judging and saying, oh, why don't you let him, you know, ride the pony? Why don't you let him ride the pony? So then they let the little boy ride the pony and the older man was getting tired. And so they continued their journey and people kept saying, why are you? are you not riding the pony? Like, you know, you should let your grandpa ride the pony. Why are you letting the little boy? So then the grandpa got off and they both just started walking, right? Walking along, not anybody on the pony. And then people start saying, why are you both walking? I mean, that's ridiculous. You got a perfectly good, you know, donkey there, not a pony. And so then they're like, that's it, forget it. And so they carried the donkey to the end. <laughs> and then they get to the end, right? And they put the donkey down. And he falls off the cliff and dies. And the moral of the story was when you try to please everyone, Mm -hmm. you lose your own ass. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I'm sure the story, I, you know, bastardized it. It's not the best. The guy told it much better because I wanted to get through it quickly because I want to make this about you. But when I was reading through your mission, a lot of that is about that, right? Not trying 100%. to please other people. 100%, yeah. And we say, yes, yes, you should do that. But it's not that easy. You know, Correct. it really isn't. There's so many deep-rooted things in there from childhood that you're not even aware of. Exactly, exactly. It's these covert messages that we pick up and these false identities that we acquire along the way that we're not conscious to or aware of, and they become ingrained in us. And so we could easily say, well, I don't want to live to those expectations, but it's about really understanding where those are coming from and then making those 
those shifts out of out of that false identity. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because I think it's a fascinating story. And I know they could read it on your website, but I really want them to hear it from you. Because it just when I was just reading it, it, it made me have goosebumps that you would share this with us and then take that and now use it to empower others. So tell us a little bit about growing up in Connecticut in an Indian family. Yeah, so I did. I grew up in um, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. Uh, my parents were immigrants. They came to the states when they were teens. So I was a first generation American. Um, and I, you know, I my name was Comedy, which was a very unusual name in a very yeah. predominantly white town. Um, and so I, you know, I was fine up until I went to school. I really didn't know that I was different, so to speak, and got into elementary school. And I just remember being in school and absolutely hating the days that a substitute teacher would come in because they would have to go through the roll call. And without a doubt, they would get to my name and they would butcher it. And everybody would start laughing and, and you know, giggling and the meaning I made of those snickers and sneers was, you know, you're different. Look at you. You know, you should be embarrassed. You don't fit in. Mm. And so to me, it was how do I, you know, how do I fit in? How do I blend in? How do I make sure that other people are happy with me so they don't think of me as different? You know, I'm obviously darker skinned. I've got this strange name. And so that was just an identity that I acquired. And of course you add in the fact that I was the daughter of immigrant parents who were working pretty much all the time because they were trying to, to make it, you know, quote unquote, make it. And so I didn't want to be a burden to them. You know, I wanted to make sure that I did not cause waves. I didn't make it harder. They were already stressed out and tired from work. And so Mm. again, the people pleasing identity sort of ingrained into me from this early age, again, not consciously, so I went through my life. You know, I made sure that I had the good grades. I followed the rules. I did all the things that made people happy with me. And then you fast forward and I did, you know, I got married. I was running my husband's law firm. And then, you know, of course there were little little hints here and there. But the biggest catalyst for me was when I saw my middle daughter completely giving herself up to making sure other people were happy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was where her worth was coming from. And it was that catalyst moment for me where I realized, oh, wow, this is coming from me. This is how I show up. I'm, mm. I mean, I was, I was identifying by the roles I was playing. You know, I was mom, I was wife, I was manager of this law firm. And I only felt good or good enough if other people were validating that. And so I realized, oh, Isn't wow. Isn't that my so child. true? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. And so as I realized this was coming through my children at this point, if I didn't shift, if I didn't go through whatever I needed to go through that self-growth transformation, that was just going to repeat for generations, right? It was just going to keep cycling because that was what she knew. And then she would continue on that path and then and so on and so forth. So I did go through that that transfer, that transformation, you know, got the support I needed to to make the shifts to realize, wait a minute. I need to also fill my own cup up and I'm not responsible for other people's happiness. I can contribute to it, but I'm not responsible for it. 
each and every one of us has our own autonomy, you know, learning those things. Mm. And as I went through that process, I realized that I was actually called to help other people on this journey. You know, that was where my heart was calling me when I, I even remember being really young and wanting to be, you know, some type of psychologist, therapist, something where I was helping people. And then I kind of let that go because I was, you know, checking boxes and going through the motions and did all the things. I realized as I went through this transformation, that's what I was meant to do. I was meant to help because I'm not alone. I know that other people are struggling with this. So I realized I could take not just my life experience, but I could go and train in it so I could have life experience plus the training and I could then pay that forward and start helping other people on their journey as well. You know, I think it's just amazing how it wasn't until your daughter started having this that you were like holy moly and that's what we were just talking about our children teach us so many valuable lessons so before that would you have said i'm a happy girl i'm filled with joy like how would you have described yourself before that moment you know so before that i think i would have said yeah everything's fine um you know i'm happy things are going along i was because i was so busy checking boxes you know i was on autopilot and that was okay because there was no conflict. People were happy. Therefore, I was happy, right? Because again, ex- external expectation, external validation, defining yeah. my worth by other people's happiness, all the things, right? So in my mind, everything seemed fine. But it's part of what happens when we suppress, right? We, we muscle through or we mm. just kind of put on the brave face or we kind of just do the things that we think we should do. And it's, again, yes, there are probably, and that's why I say there were probably moments where I was it was questioned, but then I would fall back into the pattern because that's what I knew and that's how I had been showing up and that was my identity. But that moment with my daughter was enough. You know, it was, yeah. and I say this all the time that, you know, awareness is the doorway to change and then it's up to you to decide to walk through it. Yeah. And so for me, seeing my child in that light, having that mirrored back to me, that was the, I'm walking through this doorway now mm. moment. You know, you're right. I mean, <laughs> You first have to be aware of it or admit it's something that you have within you or how can you even work on it? I mean, it's impossible. So do you think throughout life you get, like I always say, you know, you get little peaks Mm -hmm. of things going on and sometimes you're just not ready for it or it gets so big until you can't avoid it? Yeah, I totally believe that. I think that you do get peaks. And I mean, I deal with this all the time, even on um potential clients who reach out to me, you know, we'll have powerful calls and they are, they kind of start seeing it and then they don't, they don't go forward. And it's because there's still the fear. There's the fear of, well, can I, first of all, can I shift and what's on the other side of it? Cause this is all yeah. I know. This is yeah. all I know how to do. I don't know what would happen if I changed that. And so I do think that there are these moments of these peaks in, and then it's up to each individual to to make that decision for themselves and really recognize that investing that time and effort is, is going to actually exponentially open up a world for them, you know, in terms of happiness, in terms of success, in terms of being present in your life. You know, I mentioned this before I was on autopilot and it's not, again, I don't ever discount any of my life experiences because I do believe that life's a journey and, and it's teaching us things along the way. But what I was realizing too, is that in hindsight, you know, I would, I was going through the things, but I wasn't actually present where I could remember them later. 
you know, that we, we were so busy taking pictures with our phone, but what I've now really challenged myself to do is be present in moments so that I can actually close my eyes and relive moments. That's how I know that I was actually present in the moment and not just yeah, yeah. autopiloting through it. Yeah. I am the worst at taking pictures. I actually had to train myself to take pictures so I could have memories because I feel the same way. I want to really experience it. I want to be in it. And a lot of times when I go for my phone to take pictures, it takes me out of it. I don't know why exactly. it, it does, you know, it does. It does. So, all right. Big thing that you say here on your website, which I love because I've changed my motto. My middle name is Joy and it was about spreading joy. And now my thing is pure joy. And I see that you have something here that says breakthrough authentic joy. So tell me the difference, authentic joy versus joy to you. So for me, you know, and the word authentic seems to be batted around a lot lately. To me, it's what resonates in somebody's core being. And so when I'm talking about the authentic me and authentic joy, it is it is what resonates in your core self without regard to external forces. You know, because and that's why I, I named my business Live Joy Your Way, because we constantly are living to these, you know, the shoulds or what or somebody else's definition of what's happiness or joy. And it's really getting into that authentic being. You know, your authentic self, your authentic happiness, your authentic joy, the way you feel complete and whole. So maybe you could give us one little tip. If someone's not sure, like I know a lot of my listeners are going to say, because I have a bunch of questions uh, written down for you, because I always uh, interview different people before the guest comes on. So they're not live, but I have questions here. I say, go on her website and Drill me with anything you have. And the one question here from this young lady is, how can I really know the difference? And she's only 22. She's like, I don't know. I can't tell if I'm doing it for others or myself. What's one thing I can do to check in? It's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. So even though she's only 22, I think that's an amazing question. You know, the way that we can check in is when we can ask ourselves and answer the questions of, well, what do I feel and what do I need? When we can't answer those questions, that's how we know that we're living to somebody else's expectation or somebody else's definition of, for instance, as we're talking about joy and happiness. Because the one thing that tends to disappear when we're living externally or we're defining our worth from an external source is we lose sense of self. And so it's really vital to be able to answer those two questions. What do I feel Mm. and what do I need? Yeah, that's really important to take a step back and take time to breathe. I think it's really hard when you're 22 because, I mean, there's so much coming at you. And I'm thinking not just the parent influences, but the peer pressure and things that I didn't really have to deal with growing up, which is all the social media. I think it's really hard to step away because I constantly hear my young viewers say to me, but you don't understand. I, you know, I can't get away from how many likes, how many clicks. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and I do understand it now because my business is affected by how many people view and clicks and, you know, like what I do. I mean, we're all influenced by it, but 
but I, I didn't grow up with that socially. You know, I don't oh, know yeah, totally. And, and and that's why that's why I actually added in and I went and got specialty certified in teen life coaching. But I end up working with a lot of young adults because that's the those are the moments where they they're dealing with it's a pressure cooker. They've got social pressures. They've got familial pressures. They've still probably got some academic pressures going on. Then you have in the added pressure of what is my future, right? Somehow at the age of 18, they're supposed to be able to determine exactly what they want to do. Go declare their major, yeah. go learn it, and then go go off and do it. You know, so they've got future direction pressures. They've got just the, how do I manage all of this pressure, right? And so it, there's yeah. so many layers to it. And so when they are in that that stage, though, it's it. I actually love that working with individuals at that stage because we're able to identify what false identities or beliefs have they've been carrying for like that their younger year from their younger years that aren't so ingrained and we're able to identify ways to start shifting them earlier right so like my 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 older clients my adult clients where those have been ingrained for a longer period of time making those shifts can sometimes take a little a little longer just because they've been there for that much longer but it is absolutely true that it's hard sometimes as a 22-year-old to understand totally where it's coming from. And that's when it, it it's really helpful to be able to slow it down and to unpack it and unpack what, when I, when I say that I'm stressed out, what does that mean, right? Everybody's saying that I'm stressed out. Okay, I understand you feel stressed out. Well, a couple things. What do you need? First of all, let's deal with that. But then also let's unpack the stress. You know, where is it coming from? And then and then from where it's like, okay, well, let's get deeper. Let's ask those more important questions to start figuring out what's underlying mm. the stress. You know, and, and a lot of times um, frustration will pop up or anger. And it's really important to say, great, I feel angry. You know, understand that the emotion is meant to be felt and be in motion, be in energy. It's there to tell us something. We don't have to identify with it. But anger is an interesting emotion because behind anger is usually something deeper. Usually it's a sadness or a fear Mm. or a worry, you know, and it's about unpacking that and getting deeper behind it. You know, the next question um, this young man said, are there workshops that I can take so I can do this on my own? And, And before you even get into it, yeah, there are workshops. But one thing I found is I've gotten in trouble along the way thinking I can do stuff on my own, that I don't need someone else. Like, I should know better. I should know better. And I think that's a tough one because I almost think everybody needs some type of mentor, you know, to work with. Yeah, you know, and I do I do believe that there are workshops where you can do some of the work on your own. I mean, yeah. even for me, I have a, an online course that kind of takes you through the 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 outlines, you know, Mm -hmm. the outlines of the blueprint. But I wholeheartedly believe that there, like Brene Brown says, there is, there is strength in being vulnerable. And sometimes being vulnerable enough to say, I really need support through this. So I can really have that safe space to Mm. go through and unpack what's there that needs to be and start to heal from it or start to move it or shift it. And I use the word shift instead of change because, of course, change just feels so big and drastic. You know, we don't we don't get to the top of the mountain all in one step. We've got to take the smaller steps to get there. That's why I always use the word shift. But it's to me, if we're really committed to making those changes, you know, getting the support is huge. Getting that that help is huge. Yeah, 
I agree with what you said. There are tons of work. Believe me, I've done a lot of workshops and read books. But when you really want to get to the heart of it, I mean, there's just nothing like working with someone that you really trust and that you know has the knowledge. You know, someone that's been there, done it. One of my big things is when someone says, how do you pick someone? And I believe that you want to pick someone, first of all, that you really feel comfortable with, right? Because there's so many people out there. So you want to make sure that you have a connection. But also you want to check, you know, what they've done and what they've worked on before and like their certifications because unfortunately anyone can be a coach. Don't you think like there's no criteria? No, that's true. I mean, and, and it's not to put down, I think that there are amazing coaches who may not have all the certifications. So I never want to try to say you have to be certified. I, but I do believe in my training. You know, I do believe in the training I went through and the, and the specialty trainings that I've done, Mm. which have added on to, you know, being able to add different elements and different layers. It's taken the life coaching that I have and gone a step further. You know, like for instance, I didn't just life coach. I then went and got a wellness certification, not because I wanted to necessarily be working with people on nutrition, but understanding how certain foods, for instance, can can affect our mental state was important to me. Mm. So I joke about it and I say, well, I'm just a nerd. And so I continually learn new things. But yeah. the truth of the matter is for me personally, I do feel that that's important to, ha- to, yeah. to have that so that I can fully, fully uh, share with my clients and support them. But beyond that, you're absolutely right. I mean, I 100% agree that you have to resonate with the person that you're going to work with. You have to feel supported. You have to feel safe. And I really, I really try to create that space with my clients. But even more so when somebody reaches out, you know, I, I, even when they say they want to work with me, I push them on it. And I say, I want this to be 100% yes. Like you have to feel it in your heart and in your gut because I don't, it's not about me fix. Like, it's not about me, and it's yeah. not about me fixing anything. You know, my job as a coach is to be that support, that co-collaborator, that person who can ha- help you with your accountability, who can walk with you but not carry you, and that's the difference. And so, when somebody's choosing somebody to work with, they really have to feel supported and feel in their in- inner, you know, their inner being that that's yeah. the right person for yeah. them. And there's nothing wrong with needing help or guidance. It's so hard to look at yourself. My mentors have mentors and mentors and mentors, you know? Absolutely. They they have coaches, you know? The people that I admire the most are constantly not just seeking, you know, knowledge from books and workshops, but they have coaches, you know, they're constantly. I have my own coach, you know, we, because the way, and I even, I was just on a client call this morning and I was talking about the fact that. You know, the way that I can show up 100% for my clients is to make sure that I'm also taking care of myself and doing the things and the work that needs to be done in order to show up fully and completely for my clients. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that they're, you know, and even people are are so interested. I think, you know, that seems silly to need a life coach. Well, we get coaches for so many different things in our life. You know, it's not like we wake up knowing how to play the piano. We'll go get a piano coach. You know, life is complicated. It's okay to ask for support, you know, and having a having a collaborator to help you work through different things. Yeah. And I know sometimes people will say to me, oh, Sandy, you're getting all airy-fairy and new-agey <laughs> on us. And I, I get it. 
But I grew up in dance and sports, and so it just made sense to me right. to have a coach. Do you know what I mean? It just made yeah. sense to have someone else look at the things. You know, it, it's really hard to analyze yourself and look at yourself. But, well, Sandy, yeah. you know, it's not, it's so true. It's not just hard to look at yourself and analyze it, but you know, then some people say, "Well, I just I'll have my friends or my you know my my spouse or whatever help me." They're oh. used to you showing up a certain way, right? Yeah. So that dynamic is already there. So it's really hard to make shifts if you're if people that you're trusting to help you make the shifts are used to you showing up a certain way because and they too are showing up a certain way. And so sometimes you need that <laughs> third party. I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing because I don't know about you, but it, and it's still a work in process for me. But even my close, close friends, they count on me to, okay, spin it. What's the positive side? What's the powerful <laughs> side? You know what I mean? Come on, Sandy, give us the joy. Give us the joy. And if for even a moment, I used to feel really guilty. Like if I wasn't pippy skippy or not feeling, let's just even say I wasn't sad, but I just didn't talk as much. They'd be like, oh my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And so I became like you were talking about this identity to always be joyful. And that's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Because yep. it's, I mean, maybe for what you do, you know, for the people that are acquaintances, but you should be able to have all those sides of your personality to your close friends and family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? And and especially with what we do, it's, you know, we have our moments too, because we're human, but that's oh what God, makes yeah. it. I, I believe that that's the superpower that I have when I'm coaching, you know, it is the fact that I'm empathetic. And so I have my moments where I'm feeling all the feels and, you know, it's it just, it's part of, of what makes, makes me, uh, I guess, authentic, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you have to use it. I mean, you, right, right. <laughs> you have to use it. So you mentioned, you know, that your aha moment was looking at your daughter. Did you, this is a good question I got. Is there any other time, like, did you ever have a rough patch, like something like you were so sad, so depressed, and it shifted you, or you never really went there? Um, I'm trying to think. So, you know, as I grew up, I mean, I remember being sad when I was younger of not fitting in. Like, I remember that being a big issue. Um, For me personally, the the moment with my daughter was the real catalyst. And I think that really shook my world, you know, shook it to the core because I had been showing up right in, in, in the sense of doing all the things for everyone else. So that was a big shift because I had to move out of, you know, for instance, running my husband's law firm, you know, that was suddenly it was that question of like, is it okay for me not to run that anymore and do something for myself and run this Oof. new business. Oof. And that was a big one because it, it, it pushed me to say, well, wait, who, whose expectation am I living to then if I don't do the thing that's calling me and I stay just doing, you know, just managing this firm. Um, so it wasn't, that was it a wasn't, tough one, man. It's, it's, it wasn't depressing. It was just a, a it was a tough challenge to kind of yeah. face yeah. that. And have those conversations with my husband where it was like, you know, I totally get that this is how I've been showing up and I've loved it. It wasn't that I didn't love doing what I was doing, but it was, I now need to step out and do the thing that's calling me yeah. and I need to be okay with it. Yeah. It's time. It's time, baby. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So next one, we got another question here. If you could recommend one book, comedy, what would you recommend? Um, okay, so I'm not going to be selfish and recommend my own book. Um. <laughs> That's not selfish, but... No, no, I, I, the book that I always talk about is Mastery by George Leonard. Um, Did I say that again? Mastery. Mastery. Yes, it is not, it is not a hard read. It is, I actually read it in one sitting. Um, again, self-declared nerd, but um, it's yeah. really not, it's not a tough read. But yeah, it's Mastery by George Leonard. And it, the, you know, the one I just, I still remember it because it just resonated. It, it reminded me that you are going to get bumps and bruises along the way. And that's okay because those bumps and bruises are helping you on your path to whatever it is that you are learning or working towards. Mm. And so, yeah, I really do. Um, that's my book. That well, I'm a nerd. I love, I don't nerd, I call it, I love seeking knowledge. That's what I say. I love yes, seeking yes. knowledge, yeah. And my husband always teases me because I should now and then read a book that's just fun, right? But instead, I always have either educational books or self-help books. And so, him oh my, my gosh, friends, same here. Oh, that's so funny. And my friends are always saying, like, we'll, we'll have book club. And they'll be like, oh, God, if Wesson brings another self-help book or recommends, like, just read a freaking trashy book. But I don't really enjoy that. I, I read Educated and I was like, woohoo, it's not a self-help, but it, it still was, you know, a biography of someone's life. But um, I don't know. I'm always feeling like I can learn something new or, hey, they said it in a different angle. But this is what I'm laughing at. If you could see my bookcases around my house, you'd crack up. But I don't have mastery. I mean, how is that possible? Like, I have so many books. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to be doing on Amazon today, right? That sounds like a good plan. I you know, it's funny, it. though. I, it's so funny that you say it because I actually was just having that thought because I'm surrounded by books myself. And they're all educational or some type of. Um, I don't, I don't really do the trashy, the trashy yeah. books. We're um, not even, even trashy, like, just like, you know, a love for, story. You right, know? right, right. And because we recently went to the beach and I was, <laughs> I was putting all my books in my bag and it was like, you know, authentic happiness and <laughs> practicing mindfulness and, you know, just different things like that. No, um, I have authentic happiness. <laughs> I do have that one. All right. So yeah. tell us about your book though. You said you have a book. Let's might as well put it in there. Uh, well, it's called Ohm, Life's Gentle Reminders. It's actually not a, a like a cover-to-cover -cover read. It's more it's a compilation of analogies that from my everyday life experiences. And when I say analogies, it's well, this you know taking something that happened and then what was something that I could learn from it or look at it differently in order to grow from it, rather than just simply be annoyed by it. So for instance, you know, one of the stories in there is about how I was sitting in traffic and I was just kind of really annoyed with the construction that was going on. Nothing was occurring except me sitting there waiting. And then I happened to notice the gentleman drilling the, the asphalt. And I real and I started thinking to myself, you know, well, that's so interesting. In order to lay down this new concrete, they've got to really strip. They've got to strip down to the core all that old asphalt. And I realized that's sort of what we do in what our work in terms of just self-growth. It's like we can't just 
try something, you know, just be like, okay, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to say these affirmations and just that's, it's it, it's going to take care of all of the issues. You sure? It's just, trying to, <laughs> it's just, you know, putting that nice layer on that looks great for the first little bit, but eventually those cracks will come back. It's all about stripping away those false beliefs, false identities, all that stuff, and then laying down this new layer which is going to hold it, which will last for a longer period of time. It's not to say that there won't ever be another crack because again, we're human. It's not about perfection. It's about, you know, evolving and growing. Mm. And mm. so it is. So anyway, that's just an example of a story that's in there. So it's kind of meant to be these short, short little tidbits that somebody can pick up, read one, kind of go about their day. Each one ends with a question to the reader. What I tried to have be a powerful question to the reader, just to sort of, Think about their own their own um, autonomy, so to speak. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of book, and I don't have that book either. <laughs> All right, here we go. But I do swap books out, so it's like I do, you know, say here you can use this book. If you return it, great. But I give it thinking it's not coming back. Do you know what I mean? Because yes. I don't want I don't want to think that unless I'm like, oh my god, I have to have this book back. All right, yeah. all right, here we go. Big question here. What do you mean by swim like a duck? I know you have a blog, right? <laughs> yes, Not, yes. Is it just floating along, gliding along? I don't know. So uh, swim like a duck. What that means is, you know, ducks have this great capacity. So they, they preen themselves. And they um, when they do that, they put this oil on their feathers, which allows the water to roll off their back. And so... Mm where that came from was it's about, you know, swimming, you're swimming through life and things are going to come at you, but it's about, you know, letting certain things roll off of you and not internalizing them or identifying with them, but allowing them to sort of, you know, as I do for a duck, the water, you know, will clean them, refresh them, what have you, but then it, it falls away. It's sort of taking what you will from your experiencing experiences and then let the rest roll off. You know, I want to go back to something, too, that you mentioned about feeling the different emotions and being okay with feeling anger, but it's it's not you. It's not your identity. I went a few years ago to, uh, I was lucky enough to speak at a positive psychology conference in Canada. And when I told people I was going to that, they're like, oh, Sandy, really? I mean, all it is is positive, 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 positive. And you know what? It's not. It's so crazy. I mean, they're about sitting there asking you in the moment, why are you here? What do you want to get out of it? And being okay with all your emotions so that you can have more powerful, positive parts of your life. I don't know how you feel about that, but I thought that was amazing because everyone was going in thinking, oh my God, you know, I don't, what am I doing here? It's all just going to be pippy, pippy, pippy. And it wasn't like that. You know, it was being okay with all these other emotions. But I think when people hear positive psychology, they go right to that, you know? Exactly. I think they do think they, they and they, they sort of jump to the, oh, you're just going to be that, um, the spin, right? And uh, yeah. the, the positive spin on everything. I refer to that as somewhat trying to spiritually bypass, right? You're just trying to be like, oh, here's the positive in the situation. No, when I'm talking about it, it's, it is about, it's coming to acceptance of what is, right? So it's allowing all those emotions to be and allowing them to demonstrate what they're a message. They're a message about something that's going on or a need that we have. And so it's coming to that point of acceptance, allowing it to kind of do its thing, 
um, and then moving forward from there. And so it's not just about only spinning everything to a positive. It's about, you know, when you are angry, it's okay. I am feeling anger. What's behind the anger? Oh, there's fear. Okay. What am I afraid of? What do I need in this moment? Really getting into it um, rather than just ignoring it. Because again, what happens when we ignore the emotions and if we just only looked at the positive and we don't accept what is, you know, that's when the, the cognitive distortions start to happen. Right. Because we're not actually processing what the emotion was trying to tell us. And so then suddenly now we're, you know, down a pathway making meaning of things and assumption, making assumptions about things just because we didn't actually process what we were feeling in the first place. You know, I know this is a silly thing, but I'm sure many women have felt this, especially if you are a pleaser and someone that wants to help people and you want to keep the peace. But you know how you go along and things happen in your house, you know, with the husband or the kids, and you don't want to say anything. You don't want to be that person. Oh, I don't want to be annoyed by that. You know what I mean? I don't want to be annoyed by that. That's ridiculous to be annoyed. And so you don't say anything. You don't say anything. And they don't say anything. And you just keep it down in. And then all of a sudden, you know, they put the trash bag in the wrong way. <laughs> or the dishes, <laughs> And you blow, you right? Uh-huh. And yep. you'll be like, are you kidding me? I've told you 17 times, blah, blah, blah. And then they look at you and go, is it really about the dishwasher? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, I mean, I don't know if it's the same thing, but it seems to be right. It is. It is. And it's recognizing that, that, you know, in that moment, the dishwasher, the trash, whatever it is, that's like the stimulus, but behind the stimulus is the thing, right? It's, it's what was, what was going on that you ignored that became the volcano. And, and, and that's what I say when we suppress emotions, they don't go away. We pretend that they're gone, but they're just recycling somewhere. And it depends what type of explosion they're going to come back with. (laughs) I know because people always say, Oh, it's the little things that no, 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 you're not really that angry about the dishwasher or the the trash. I mean, if you really blow now, if you just say, Oh, come on, what's going on here. But if you really blow, Right. Uh, uh, And sometimes I think it's also because you don't want to face the other thing. Right. It's easier to Mm -hmm. be upset about the trash and the garbage and the, you know, the dust bunnies or whatever than deal with a bigger issue. A hundred percent, because especially if you're a pleaser, you want to avoid conflict. Right. And you're again, we go back to the people pleasing and wanting to please somebody else and being responsible for their happiness. So we don't want to make a big deal about certain things. But then what what eventually happens is we make a big deal about something that's really kind of small in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) Yeah. What is it going on right now? All right, listen, I want to get to your tips because we could talk forever. I love it. And I could sit here and listen to you, and I have a million questions here, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get them to them all? We'll just have to have you back someday. But <laughs> let's get to the biggest tip here. Well, there's two. Find joy and playfulness to raise the vibration. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so what I realized going through my own life and my own journey was that it became everything was very serious. Like you had, if you weren't serious, then you weren't going to succeed, right? That was sort of the identity that was, was taken on. And what Mm. I realized was being playful and finding some joy automatically raises how you're feeling and also the energy around you. And it really came out during this pandemic when we were all under one roof together, 
Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, but you know, that's the thing is it, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of stress, a lot of emotions happening. And so, you know, it, it became about how can we find a little bit of joy, fun, happiness, you know, so we would start doing silly things, whether it be dancing while making dinner or, you know, taking funny selfies together or just what, you know, finding the thing that helps light you up, you know, whether it be drawing, painting, just doing something that has no attachment to the outcome. It's literally just being present and being, you know, finding that fun yeah. and happiness yeah. um, because it really does automatically raise that emotional vibration for you as well as people around you. I love to just be goofy and like act like a little kid and I'll just all of a sudden I can't sing very well and I'll just do goofy dances and my son and husband just look at me and go, why do you do that? What are you doing now? I know they think I'm weird and goofy, but I also see them smile when I do Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I said, because it makes me happy. And they swear they look at me like, yeah, but you look weird. I go, in front of who? You and dad? Like, what's the big deal? But that's what I'll do sometimes if I just feel like I'm getting overwhelmed and stressed. I just get up and start doing goofy dances and singing. Exactly. That's my thing. Yes. Yes. All right. So what do you do? So I do a couple things. One, to bring joy into my life um, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed is I actually do the weird dance as well. Oh, um, I'll get go. up and just, because I have no coordination. I mean, it's so funny that my daughter is a dancer because I literally have two left feet. I have no rhythm. I have no coordination. So I just dance. The other thing that I do is try to go, you know, if it's play a game or just just engage in something fun with one of my children. Because there's still, I still have a couple at the age where, like, it's pretty, it's still cool to hang out with mom every now and again. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I go and I do that. Whether it's, you know, with my youngest daughter, maybe playing with the, um, the Barbies or the My Little Pony or just doing something, getting back to almost that childhood fun where it's not about being attached to any type of outcome. It's just about laughing or being. <laughs> being. Being. Just yeah. being. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I, m- I must say, I would love being in a house with five kids. I mean, I know it could be really stressful, but there's always some something going on somewhere. There is definitely something going on somewhere. And they're <laughs> all different ages. So you you got a seven-year-old and a 19-year-old. That's freaking cool, you know? I, you know, what was really cool was the one, like, there were, there were definitely different blessings from the whole pandemic. Um, yeah. One that I really saw occur, though, was the 19, almost 19-year-old and the seven-year-old really got to spend time together because in our everyday life, they their paths hardly crossed because they were in such yes. different worlds with such different activities and it gave them this time to just be with one another and to hang out and they 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 bonded and they spent time together you know some days it was doing something the 7 year old liked and some days the 19 year old was teaching the 7 year old how to do different dance things and it was just really cool to watch and just see how that how that unfolded so yeah, really. I, I would love to be a little fly on your wall just to watch it. <laughs> I always say in my next life, I'm going to have a whole slew of children, you know, just tons of them. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So now, you know, mindfulness, this is a big word because 
it gets thrown around yeah. a lot, yeah. you know, and people are like, be mindful, be mindful. Mm-hmm. So when you have this tip here, practicing mindfulness can be as simple as getting in touch with our five senses. Yeah. Uh, tell a little bit more to the people that might be like, oh my God, Sandy, there we go with mindfulness. What the Mindfulness freak? again. Yeah. Right now. What, yeah. What are we, what are we going here with it? You know, you just want me not to date. <laughs> what are the listeners said? Okay. Are you just right. telling me to listen to people and not daydream? So right, let's... right, right. And then of course, sometimes you hear people hear mindfulness and they, they equate it with meditation. Right. And that's, that's not what it is either. It's what I say about mindfulness is we spend so much of our day, either trying to fix or undo the past or we're future tripping and worrying about solving problems that haven't even happened yet. And so to me, mindfulness is getting present with where you are right here and now. And the way that I talk about mindfulness is, yes, there are breathing practices. You know, there's like the 2x way of of handling it, which is to just stop, take a breath. You know, you breathe in for two and you exhale for four. And then you do that like two or three times. But the one that I go to, to just get present in the here now, what is happening right in front of me, monkey mind, quiet down is get in touch with those five senses. So it's in this moment, what do I hear? You know, in this moment, what do I smell? In this moment, what is the taste I have? You know, what can I touch? You know, what it's, 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 it's dialing that in so that you are not, it it allows the mind. It's the analogy that I give a lot when I'm trying to talk about mindfulness is it's about, you know, if you were to shake one of those snow globes and yeah. the snow is felt flying around, flying around, flying around. But if you just lay, you place it down on the table, the snow globe on the table, and don't touch it, eventually the snow settles and you can see through the water. When I'm talking about mindfulness, it's about giving yourself the time to just be, getting quiet, and allowing the monkey mind and all those thoughts that are fluttering around in your mind just settle to the bottom so that you can you can decide what is your next best step forward of what you want to do. You know, I've I've done a lot of stuff with mindfulness, tons of stuff, but I've never done the five senses. So you actually go through everything, like what do mm-hmm. I see, what do mm-hmm. I hear, what mm-hmm. do I feel? Hmm. Because when you think about it, when we're going through our daily life and we're on autopilot, most of the time we don't hear. I find that one to be the big one. We don't hear the things that are going on around us. And when we get, when we're trying to practice mindfulness and suddenly we're sitting there and we, we are able to hear, for instance, a bird chirping in the distance, it really does get us present to where we are right here and now. I like that. I'm going to try that. I probably should try it more when I'm out on my bike. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds much better when you're outside. I won't give you that. When you're inside, generally you're like, oh, wow, I never heard the humming of the air conditioner. Yeah. 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 I sometimes, t- I know it's going to be a weird, well, maybe some people do this, but I will put on uh, a big fan that makes noise and I tune into that when I'm mm-hmm. meditating. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why. It's just the, the noise of the fan, it, it, the vibration and telling myself to focus in on that helps me. You know? Okay. So the universe meant for us to meet because I do the same thing. Shut up. <laughs> I have I have a Vornado. I have a Vornado. Do you know the Vornado fans? It's they're kind of loud. I plug no. that in. Um, wait, I've, I gotta write, write this down. Wait a minute. All the right. Vornado fan. I plug it in 
and it, I actually can dial into the sound that that's making because I was having such trouble with meditation. I was one of those where I was like, I can't yep. do this. I can't yep. just sit here quietly and not think. And so by dialing into the sound of that fan, it, it quiets everything. Which again is the senses, right? It's I dial into yeah, that's the, that's the, me the too. I sound. was having trouble with the meditation, but mm-hmm. I turned on the fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's too funny. All right, we got to get this in. So you have a podcast. It's called Rise Up, Live Joy Your Way. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you do on there? So it's just honestly, it's not a really long podcast. Each episode is probably between 12 and 15 minutes. They're just little snippets of how to, you know, maybe reframe things or just, you know, I'm also trying to bring things to the light, you know, just topics that people don't necessarily want to talk about. And just let's, let's bring them out. Let's talk about them. Let's get vulnerable. Let's, you know, not feel shame and guilt anymore. And let's just, you know, so that we can start working through things and learning and taking what we can and start to live the joy that we want for ourselves. So that's kind of, that's kind of it in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, Kamini, it's been a pleasure. I've loved this. And I know my listeners are going to say, Sandy, bring her back. We have so many more questions and you can feel your joy coming through and how excited you are and how much you love working with people. So before we go, how can they reach you? I mean, we'll make sure we add that, but how can they reach you? Well, first I have to say I have loved every second of this as well. So thank you so much. You're welcome um, so much. Uh, my website is comedywood.com. And if people would like to actually reach out and just book a call with me, they can do that at chatwithcomedy.com. Oh, I like that. Chatwithcomedy.com. All right. Is there anything that you want to get in that we didn't cover. I mean, I didn't ask you your favorite color. I usually ask people their favorite color. What's your favorite color? <laughs> My favorite color uh, will vacillate between purple and blue. It okay, depends wait, on the deck. Wait, I have to fire a few because I got so excited about all these questions people had that I didn't even get in my few things. Okay, favorite food? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I kind of, I don't really have a favorite food, but if I was going to pick a guilty pleasure, I would say pizza. Yeah. Oh my God. The number one thing people pick is pizza. Do you have a guilty pleasure as far as a show like on Netflix or Hulu or anything? <laughs> my daughters and I are guilty pleasure is the bachelor. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's, that's a big one. And then hobbies. I love to take long walks with the dogs. Um, mm-hmm. I know that doesn't really necessarily qualify as a hobby hobby. And no, then the it news, is. It walks, the, yeah. The other thing that I really love to do, um, two things, are paint by number. And then I actually really like to embroider. It, again, quietly. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I guess it could be relaxing as you're sitting there, you know? It's really relaxing because it just you're just sitting there and kind of can do it anywhere too which is kind of nice because again five kids takes you to many different places i jump from a ballet studio to a lacrosse field to a field hockey field to a basketball court so you know (laughs) i get it all right comedy wood well it's been a pleasure i really appreciate you sharing all this information with peeps lots of valuable stuff especially now we definitely need to put some of that joy in our lives everyone needs it and the biggest thing about not, I mean, I wouldn't say not, but just being aware of, I love that you said of why you're doing things 
and what you need. I love that. I mean, I want to make sure I didn't misquote it. So can you say it again? Yeah, it's it's being aware of what you're feeling and what you need. And what you need. Yeah, I love that. I want to close on that. What you're feeling and what you need. That's 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 a big thing. Just right there. That takeaway. All right, my let's keep it real people. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.